at the time he planned, you came to faith in Jesus. And you're a part of redemptive history until Jesus comes back again. He's coming back again. He will establish total redemption and restore, redeem creation to Genesis 1 and 2. What are you in bondage to? This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. We live in a society full of temptations. When we give in to some of these, it becomes a bondage almost impossible for us to break. But the book of Romans says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do we really believe that? Here's David with part two of his message, Redeemer. In Genesis 3 in the fall, something hideous happened. And one of the things that happened was the inversion of creation. Now, no longer did Adam and Eve and us have authority over the plants and the animals. One of the wages of sin is the plants and the animals have authority over us. You don't believe that? Those of you with eating disorders, those who eat too much especially, animals have authority over you. Those of you with an alcohol problem, hops, have authority over you, a plant. Those of you who are addicted to heroin or cocaine, a plant, a stupid plant has authority over you. Sex, created by God as a good gift to humankind, it's immeasurably enjoyable when it's rightly used within the confines of a marriage between a man and a woman. But we've taken it for our own benefit to try to fill the heart. And some of you are addicted to a celluloid woman who doesn't even exist in your life, with whom now you are in intimate relationship and she'll do anything you want her to do whenever you want to do it. But she controls you. Creation controls you, not the creator, creation. Other people and created things cannot meet the deepest longings of our heart. And fourth, religion. Some of you have turned to religion to meet that hole. What's religion? That's trying to earn God's favor. You've reduced the Christian faith to rules and regulations. Some of you come from a toxic religious environment where someone up front taught you that you just had to work harder to earn God's favor. And as a result, you're exhausted spiritually. You're barren inside. And moreover, eventually you become self-righteous and judgmental toward other people who aren't as religious as you are. And it's caused your soul to wither. You're in captivity to the law. Romans 8, 1 says, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And Jesus came to set us free from that condemnation of the law when we feel like we can't ever measure up. And the fifth captivity is what I call ennui. Um, It's boredom. It's basically people who are afraid of death. You know that's the biggest fear out there, the fear of death. So a lot of people just choose not even to think about it. They live their lives, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow I might die. And therefore, since you don't have to think about death, it doesn't exist, and you move on with life in a bored fashion. Problem is, the gnawing continues. Redemption. Jesus came to set us free from these five captivities. It is for freedom that Christ came 
to set us free. I love the story of Wayne Pendergast. He lives in Tampa, Florida. Um, in his 30s, he was on a drunken binge. So he's on his way home, staggering. He saw a house with an open window. Something came over him. He went into the house, went upstairs, got suitcases, found money, found possessions, stuffed them in the suitcases, walked downstairs and thought, I'm going to make sure that the police never find me. He set fire to the house and walked out the back door. He stumbled around the block, came to what he thought was his house, only to find fire engines outside. You got it. In his drunken stupor, he broke into his own house, stole his own money, his own possessions, and then burned down his own house. Later, the police asked him, why did you do that? Here's his answer. You know, I never realized I had so much. Can you believe that? Today, in Christ, I want to ask you this question. Do you know you really have so much? As your Redeemer. First of all, he sets you free from self. He gives you a heart that knows you're loved, not based on your outsides, but based simply on your insides and how much he loves you. He frees you from all the external work you do in your jobs or your abs or whatever to say, I just love you the way you are. You couldn't be more beautiful in my sight than how you are right now. That's freedom, folks. He frees us from other people. When you seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness, the opinions of others really doesn't matter that much. You're free to love him above all. Thirdly, he frees you from created things. You worship the creator, then enjoy his creation. He created this world to be richly enjoyed. He wants you to enjoy it. He just wants you to always remember he's first, worship creator, and then enjoy creation. Fourth, religion. <laughs> you can't ever earn God's favor. What can you do enough of that will make God love you? That in Christ we receive his grace. And no longer is faith about religion. Faith is about a relationship. He puts his law in our hearts. We now know him. As Jeremiah 31 prophesied, we know him as our personal friend, father, parent, lover, everything. And we're free from religion. And finally, we're free from ennui. We're free from the boredom of life and especially the fear of death. The Bible says that Jesus came to set us free from the law of sin and death. He came to set us free from the law defining our reality there's no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. By the way, if you feel condemnation, somewhere in your life, you've reestablished a law as your way of relating to God. There's something you feel like you've got to do or not do to earn his love. If you love Jesus, there's no condemnation. And then also, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, that if we Christians don't have the resurrection, we're people most to be pitied. But we do have it. Dear friends, we do have it. And therefore, we cry out with Paul at the end of 1 Corinthians 15, death, where is your sting? <laughs> because the moment we die, we get new resurrection bodies. What happened to Jesus happens to us. If our life's in him, that's what's going to happen to us. And he received a new eternal resurrection body with no pain or tears, turmoil or tribulation. We get that too. So where's death's sting? It doesn't exist anymore for the follower 
of Jesus. We are free. It is for freedom that Christ came to set us free. Isn't that good news? Would you give God the glory for that? Isn't that wonderful news? As the psalmist cried out, I am redeemed. I am free from captivity. Now, the second point I want to make today, though, is not only are you free from the captivity of sin and death, you are free to enjoy life because you're a part of a bigger plan of God in redemptive history. How many of you have ever asked the question, why on earth am I here? What's the plan of God for my life? All of us have. Every single one of us have. And here's the answer. You're a part of redemptive history. For God brought the Israelites back, and then they remained in that land for a while. Here's what happened historically. As the Babylonians were the major power of the day, the Persians eventually overtook them. As God used the Babylonians to judge Israel, he used the Persians to judge the wicked Babylonians. And then Cyrus, the king of Persia, came up with an edict and allowed some number of the Jews to return from Babylon to the land. Under their leader, Zerubbabel, they rebuilt the temple. Although many stayed in Babylon. We don't know why. Maybe they had built their homes and become imbibed in the culture and just enjoyed it. We don't know why. But eventually, later on, two people feel a call of God to also take a number back. First of all, Nehemiah feeling God's call to go back and to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem and the temple. Then Ezra comes back soon thereafter, and he establishes worship in the temple like God intended. But interestingly, again, a number of Jews stayed in Babylon. Then eventually the Persians were overtaken by the Greeks, Alexander the Great being the prime general who allowed that to happen. After his death, one of the great Greek leaders was Antiochus the Great, in the third century. And Antiochus oversaw the area where these dispersed Jews who settled in Babylon lived. And for whatever reason, I think God led, he decided to expatriate 2,000 Jewish families out of Babylon, and he put them in present-day Greece and Turkey, cities then called Phrygia, an area called Galatia, Ephesus, Corinth, and they had to leave and repopulate themselves in that region. As they always had to do, the Jews built synagogues, a place for worship, and they put their roots deeply there. Well, Antiochus eventually dies, especially after a battle against the Romans at Thermopylae. The Romans become the world power then, and for 200 years they coalesce all of their power around the world. The major emperor who allowed all of that coalescence to happen and who brought what's called Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, to bear upon that part of the world, was Emperor Caesar, Caesar Augustus. In my opinion, the most powerful and probably best emperor of all the Caesars. He somehow unified Rome and caused the peace of Rome to occur. No more wars anywhere within the Roman Empire. In the fourth year BC of Caesar Augustus' reign, a little baby was born in a Bethlehem stable in the farthest reaches of the Roman Empire. This child named Jesus lives for 33 years, and for Christians, we believe he's God in human flesh, living the perfect life that we can't live because of Genesis 3, passed on to us in progeny from our parents, Adam and Eve. 
but he was conceived of a virgin, conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, bypassing that natural conception, and he lived the perfect life none of us can live. And he went to the cross to pay the price for our sin, taking upon himself the sins of us that he didn't deserve and giving to us the forgiveness of our sins by grace through faith, something we don't deserve. And he did it to redeem us. He's our redeemer to set us free from the captivity of our sins. And when we're loved by God, we live in that love and we're free from all the other stuff that demands our allegiance. And then Jesus died, was raised from the dead, and ascended into heaven. And then in Acts 2, there was the celebration of the Jewish feast called Pentecost. From all over the world came Jews to worship Pentecost. Those Jews included people from Phrygia, Galatia, Corinth, and Athens. The dispersed people from Babylon 200 years earlier. And what happened at Pentecost? The Holy Spirit came down from heaven. Peter proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ and thousands came to faith in Jesus. And what happened after that? They went back to their homelands. They went back to Phrygia. Galatia, Corinth, Ephesus. And then God calls the apostle Paul to go preach the gospel. To where does Paul go? To Phrygia, Galatia, Corinth, and Ephesus. And there he finds already committed believers in Jesus who were there by divine plan, who had already formed churches And Paul strengthened them, taught them, and they grew and grew and grew. And over the next decades and centuries, the church of Jesus Christ took over all of Western Europe. And through the centuries, that church eventually crossed the ocean. And dear friends, the truth is you and I are a part of the redemptive plan of God. Because God oversaw an evil king, Antiochus the Great, to displace 2,000 Jewish families in Babylon and place them in Europe. Which means, why are you here today? What's the plan? (laughs) I'm so glad you asked. You're here today, and God has you at this moment in history, not by fiat, but by divine oversight. Romans 5, 6 says, at the right time, you came to faith in Jesus. At the time he planned, you came to faith in Jesus. And you're a part of redemptive history until Jesus comes back again. He's coming back again. You do know that, don't you? He's coming back again. And when he comes back, he will establish total redemption and restore, redeem creation to Genesis 1 and 2. Where everything will work the way God intended it to work. On this earth as God intended. But until that day... Every single one of us is called in our place, wherever that may be, our workplace, our homes, wherever it may be, we're called to be a part of redemptive history. What does that mean more practically? It means that when you stand for life in the womb and protect a baby, you're a part of redemptive history. And when you foster a child or adopt a child caught in the quagmire of impossibility and bring them in to a future and a hope, you're participating in redemptive history. When you run across somebody this week who's on the ledge, ready to give up, and you encourage them with the words of Jesus, you're participating in redemptive history. 
when you help build water wells in places where people can't even drink good water, you are participating in redemptive history. When you help a young girl escape the quagmire of sex trafficking, you're participating in redemptive history. When you refuse to get a divorce and you say, we're going to stay together and learn how to love, especially for the sake of our kids, you're participating in redemptive history. Redemptive history is basically the kingdom of God. And whenever you decide to let God's kingdom be the master passion of your life, and you do whatever it takes to advance his kingdom, that's redemptive history. So I beg you to come to faith in Jesus and participate in redemptive history in whatever way he's called you. It's different for all of us. But be a part of the movement of Christ worldwide to bring his kingdom to bear upon this world until he comes back again. Do you know Jesus today? That's where it all begins, by knowing him personally and him setting us free. You know, in 1827, a man committed a heinous crime, was committed to death in prison, but his family was very well-known and knew President Andrew Jackson, so they kept begging Jackson to do something. Finally, Jackson gave in and gave a presidential pardon to this man. They went to him in prison. They gave him the presidential pardon. He wouldn't accept it. He wouldn't accept it. He said, my crimes are too great. I can't accept this. It went all the way to the Supreme Court. Chief Justice John Marshall finally concluded, if the man won't accept the pardon, there's nothing more we can do. And the guy went to the gallows. He died with a presidential pardon. Dear friends, Jesus came to give you a presidential pardon. He's opened the door. You can now be free. The question is, will you accept it? Will you accept it? I pray you do. Because it is for freedom that Christ set us free. Jesus came to redeem us from the captivity of sin and death. Listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Coming up, David joins me in a conversation about how soft answers can ease tense situations. We'll be right back. What does the Bible tell us about the end times? The Bible is a book about soteriology, your salvation, redemption, and eternal life. David Chadwick has made an informative video called The End Time Prophecies. From Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation, God's Word is revealing facts about the times we live in, as well as the second coming of Jesus Christ. We would love to give this video to you as a resource to equip you to help you understand the history and prophecies of the second coming found in the Old Testament. In this video, David covers the validity of Scripture, Jesus' first coming, and how we can have faith in His second coming. This video is a compelling account of the foundation of the Christian faith. To receive your free copy of this video, go to momentsofhopechurch.org backslash listener. Again, go to momentsofhopechurch.org backslash listener for your free copy of this informative, educational video from David Chadwick. End Time Prophecies from David Chadwick. Get yours for free today.
I'm Jen Houston. Thanks for listening today. Joining me in the studio is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Jen. It's always a pleasure being with you. Well, in your morning e-devotions, you've been in a series that you're calling Davidisms. And one that jumps out to me is how a soft answer can turn away wrath. That that sounds like it's from the Bible, isn't uh, it? Yes, it is exactly. And and some of these Davidisms that I've accumulated through the years, you know, pithy truths uh, that I've learned from mentors, coaches, parents, friends, books that I've read. Obviously, the most important book I read is the Bible. And this one comes straight from the Word of God, is so powerful. Mm -hmm. You know, the Proverbs are actually little phrases that Solomon gives us to help us live life well. They're called the wisdom literature in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And this one comes from Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. Again, a soft answer turns away wrath. So let's explore it together, Jen. Uh, When someone speaks harshly to you, how do you typically respond? With anger, hostility, in a manner that escalates the conflict? That's what most often happens. Mm -hmm. We continue to respond with anger that's a little bit louder, a little bit louder, a little bit louder until ultimately you're in a fierce argument that's out of control. Well, again, in the book of Proverbs, Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, shared this sage wisdom. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. That's Proverbs 15, verse 1. It's a life lesson we all need to learn. When someone criticizes us with anger, disrespect, or hostility, we have a choice to make. We can choose to respond with the same intensity of like in kind, thereby fueling wrathful flames, which only escalate the problem eventually to some kind of loud interchange and maybe even sometimes abusive behavior. Mm. Or we can follow Solomon's wise advice and reply with a, Jen, Soft Soft answer. answer. Exactly. With a calm and peaceful disposition, Mm. one which invites healing and paves the way toward resolution and eventual restoration, Mm -hmm. which also decreases and de-escalates the situation and problem. Even a soft answer such as, you know, that's a great point. Mm. That's a great insight. Thanks for sharing it can diffuse the intensity of an argument, and by doing so, you'll Hmm. likely keep your friendship intact. So the next time you're met with hostility, remember, a soft answer turns away wrath. This is so good and something that I like to say. This this to me is a now word in this political climate and in this age that we're in right now with everyone wants to be heard. I think a soft answer could also be listening. Mm -hmm. listening to someone and not um, engaging in the same spirit of argument. And and I just think this is so powerful right now. Yeah, that's a good point. And there's something in counseling terminology called active listening. Mm. And you hear what someone says and you just give it back to them in a soft, gentle way. And a lot of people go, I was heard. Somebody actually listened to me because you're giving back to them what they said. It's no great insight on your part. You're just listening actively, and somehow, some way, that de-escalates the hostility as well. I wish we could learn that in this environment, Jen, where so many people are yelling at one another. Yeah, it's so true. This is so powerful. Thank you so much for your thoughts today. And thank you, everyone. Remember, a soft answer turns away wrath. That's another Davidism. It's straight from God's Word. And if you would like to receive a daily moment of hope, these Davidisms, please go to Moments of Hope Church 
org. You can subscribe there. They'll arrive in your inbox every morning at 7 a.m. It's a gift from me to you to give your day a moment of hope. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. Today's message is from our online worship service, and you can be a part of our service each Sunday morning at both 9 and 11 o'clock by going to momentsofhopechurch.org. And while you're online, be sure to check out David's weekly Hopecast. It's free and available through our website. Also, be sure to check out David's End Times Prophecy video. It's free for our listeners. Just go to momentsofhopechurch.org backslash listener. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking you to pray for a swift rollout of the COVID-19 vaccine.